0: Welcome back to episode two of the Ancestral Elements podcast. On this episode, we are going to be talking about the element of water. Element of water, maybe the most simple and widespread element that we see, but possibly the most complex. And we're going to get into this element of water. As always, we will be talking about how water affects the human body on a nutritional level. We're going to talk about the different states of water and how these different states not only affect the environment, but affect the internal environment of the human body. Let's start by viewing water from an ancestral context. On a practical level, you have to center your life around an abundance of fresh water. Your body can only live without water for roughly three days, meaning that it's arguably one of the most crucial elements for just sheer survival that exists and depending on the environment that you're in those needs for water are going to vary exponentially take living in the desert for example if you're dealing with temperatures in the hundreds you're going to want to have a pretty reliable and close water resource because you're not going to be wanting to walk for miles and miles to gather water because you're going to become extremely dehydrated very quickly whereas if you're living in a rainforest your need for water is going to be a little bit easier to come by you're not going to need to travel as far because you could gather rainwater. or if you do have to travel for miles the temperatures typically are not going to be that hot so you're going to be able to worry a little bit less about the need for water if you're living on a coast then typically you'll have access to fresh water inland through rivers and creeks and streams, but most people traditionally didn't live right on a beach. They lived, they centered their lives around these areas of fresh water, whether it was pools or rivers or underground creeks that kind of sprung up naturally. People always needed to be close to a fresh water resource. And water becomes this kind of essential theme throughout people's lives. It, it kind of changes, not only on a daily basis, but on a seasonal basis. So it kind of, it ends up dictating how people move throughout the world and throughout the environment they live in. Tend to get this theme of people kind of chasing water around. And that's why people migrated so much, not only to hunt food, but to also get secure resources of water and animals need secure resources of water too. So often you would follow these big herds and come across fresh water that they, that the herds were drinking from. And so this movement towards this resource and always having it nearby was crucial and still is crucial to existence. If you think about all the major towns and cities, nearly every single one of them on the planet is surrounded by some type of water source where you think about how many towns have the name spring in their title. Water historically was viewed as a health resource. It was viewed as a cleansing and healing property, right? Spas, for example, used to be in the center of towns and people would come to rejuvenate their bodies in a lot of times natural hot springs, it became this source of healing for people. This idea of hydrotherapy still runs strong today. This idea of a place where you can get your physical body into a body of liquid, a body of water, and it somehow can rejuvenate you down to a cellular level. and It became kind of almost a quest for this um, healing properties in water. It became an idea that it was kind of the elixir of life. Water is a substance that still honestly baffles scientists and researchers today. We don't really have a full understanding of what even water is. We all know that water is made up of H2O, so two hydrogens and an oxygen. And we know the different phases of water, solid, liquid, gas. But it's the only substance on the entire planet that can exist in all three phases at once. So if you think of an iceberg, that's a solid mass of water sitting in a liquid form of water and you're getting gas coming off as steam or evaporation from all of that. So no other element on this planet can do that and exist in all three phases. And it turns out, with brand new research into water, there's actually a fourth phase of water. So instead of just liquid, solid, gas, there's also a gel phase. And this phase occurs inside the body, inside the cell. So when you take in natural water that's structured, meaning that it has been in the, in the ground and goes through the soil, through the bedrock, into an aquifer, And it gets stored. And then eventually, water will slowly defy gravity and make its way back up to the surface. And it returns to the surface of the earth through springs. They literally, there's these places on earth that literally spring up water from underneath the bedrock. And what this does to the water on a structural level is that you get all of those minerals, all of those gases from the earth. And when the earth naturally pushes that water out, it's ready to come out. It has this kind of lift in it that brings it up to the surface. So when you drink this natural water from the source like that. So spring in French means source and when you drink that water when you take it into the cell it tends to form this gel like substance which is now being called the fourth phase of water and this research was done by Gerald Pollack out of the University of Washington. And interestingly enough, when you take in any type of, let's call it processed water, so any type of water that is lacking that structure, so bottled water, for example, is typically run through what's called a reverse osmosis filter. So it's run through this fine, fine mesh filter and it strips out all of the minerals and potentially gases that are being held within that natural water, it becomes unstructured. This idea of kind of this H2O structure, this crystalline-like structure that you find in snow, that's why snowflakes have this kind of crystal lattice structure, and each snowflake is individual, you little individual snowflake you. (laughs) So basically when water is combined with the elements in the earth, it creates structure within it. And so in the body, when you take that in, when you drink it in and it forms a gel-like substance within the cell, within the cell membrane, it's far more hydrating and far more permeable within the cell, you remain hydrated in a cellular level, rather than if you were to just take in this kind of processed water. It's far less hydrating. It's far less hydrating on a cellular level, and it has different effects on the body and on the metabolism. Your body is... 60% water, I mean you have, that's the kind of dominant substance in your body, the blood is built out of water so what water, what kind of water that you put in your body is vitally important to how the entire body functions, not just with the kidneys and how they filter but what you're building, the base elements of the blood with? Are you going to build it with a whole suite of substances coming from the earth or are you going to build it with kind of a processed down almost processed food like water? When it comes to building the microbiome and the microbiome it's pretty clear, science is getting clearer and clearer each day that water is a really good route to build the gut, to build the immune system. If you think about natural water and its natural state, you're getting, even when boiled, you're getting little snippets of microbes and their DNA into your body. And it changes the way your immune system and your body responds to that. If you're just drinking very sterile water, you'll end up with a pretty sterile gut in a lot of ways. And it has a pretty profound effect on the immune system. If you're lucky enough to regularly drink natural water, whether it's well water or you're getting it from springs you're going to be far better off in the long run with how the microbiome and the gut build in the body, how the health is maintained in the body. And this idea of wild water or natural water versus this processed version of water, the process can be as simple as boiling water from a spring that's coming fresh up out of the ground. If it's right out of the ground, you know it's going to be super clean. That water takes sometimes hundreds of years to come back up after it sits in an aquifer underground. Meaning that that's water that hasn't even seen the surface of the earth, it hasn't seen any. Chemical contaminants from industrialization. It's been sitting down there clean and then it gets filtered through the bedrock, through the soil, and comes up to the surface. That water is going to be relatively safe. I mean, you can boil it just to be safe to kill off anything that could potentially be there. If you're dealing with, you know, pond or river water, which You know, I wouldn't recommend drinking unless you had to. You definitely want to sterilize it and boil it. But if you're talking about the water you get out of your faucet, out of the tap, that water has been processed through a variety of ways. It goes through a chemical process, it goes through a UV light process, and then it's chlorinated heavily to kill off anything else and it's safe but it also tends to be pretty sterile for the body pretty sterile for the gut it doesn't build anything it tends to almost strip away and not to mention there's other things that end up in that water system that don't get filtered out by that treatment things like chemotherapy drugs and all sorts of other drugs that end up residing in that so it's a matter of what you want to build your body with it becomes a matter of do you want to build your body with water that has been untouched by man or do you want to build your body with a synthetic version that has been pretty heavily chemically modified and we've really only been chemically treating water for the past 100 years. So before that, we were getting natural water through wells, typically. So when you drill a well, you have natural water that's going to fill in that well and then it's pumped up into your faucet. And the majority of water that people are getting is actually from wells. It's only very highly populated urban areas where people are getting water that has been treated. Most of the world is on well water. Even in the United States, most of the United States is actually on well water. So unprocessed, untreated water. So basically, I just want to put the idea out that there's a difference in water. It's a difference between chemically treated water and natural water. They're very different substances. And honestly, where you get your source water from is important. Um, You can filter it and process it all you want, but the source water is probably the most important thing, where you're getting water from. You You can filter out city municipal water you can filter out all the bad stuff you can distill it and have a pure version of h2o or you could get it from a natural source and you could filter that out and it would be very different in the body would have very different effects in the body it has different effects on the blood like we talked about You're building your blood from this water. It has different effects on the kidneys. It has different effects through the cardiovascular system and the cerebral spinal fluid. Basically, any extracellular fluid is going to be primarily made up of water. Let's swing back around to... The microbiome and the microbiome. We have become somewhat familiar with the microbiome in this past maybe decade, but the virome is something that isn't really talked about a whole lot. We have heard a lot about this idea of viruses in 2020. But what I think a lot of people don't really realize is that we need viruses just like we need bacteria. Take mitochondria, for example, which is like the power plant of your cell. It provides the energy that powers your cells. So everything from metabolic function to cell division, it's going to be powering and giving the cell ATP production. That's actually a virus. It, you, you literally wouldn't be alive without viruses, which is an interesting thing to talk about. Like with anything in the body, you don't want it out of balance. You don't want viruses to be out of balance in a human system because that'll make you sick and cause disease. Just like bacteria can make you sick and cause disease, there's beneficial and there's negative viruses and bacteria. So inside the body, the element of water is extremely dynamic. It's extremely flexible. When talking about water outside of the body, it becomes super interesting because anytime you get your body your physical body, into a body of water, it has an immediate grounding effect, meaning that all of the cortisol and heightened stress hormones immediately dissipate. It acts like a Faraday cage. You don't get any electrical disturbance when you're in the body, so the nervous system calms down. Which is why being in a body of water feels so good. You get that feeling of just pure relaxation, especially when you step out of a body of water, whether it's in the ocean or even swimming. You get this very um, sense of a relaxed nervous system. It also, if you've ever done any major like cold plunges or gotten into a cold river it immediately quiets the mind. I mean, that's really... Everything kind of fades away. You can't think about anything when you're just focusing on your breathing and feeling the cold kind of consume your body. It has a very um, calming and grounding effect. And that's maybe one of the coolest things about water is you get that immediate feeling of being relaxed and calm. And it's interesting to think about... The kidneys and the adrenal spots when it comes to water. It almost has a bit of an an emotional intelligence to it. It has this ability to kind of cleanse the body. Just like people have used water for thousands and thousands of years. It has this kind of emotional cleansing characteristic to it think about if you've had a terrible day everything's gone wrong you're super stressed if you we were to get your body into let's say an ice bath at least while you're in there I guarantee you wouldn't be thinking about the terrible day you had it has this ability to kind of strip away emotion strip away the negative stuff that tends to build. This idea of water being tied with emotions is extremely ancient. Anatomically, your kidneys and adrenals are right next to each other. They're connected in the body. Meaning that the organs that filter the water, that filter the blood end up somewhat controlling emotion. I mean, that's what adrenaline is. It's this kind of flood of emotions, fight or flight kind of emotions. It's the first kind of hit for movement. Um, So in another way of putting it, water tends to be a catalyst, be a motivator to kind of increase the fire in your body. Last episode we talked a lot about fire. Water is a catalyst to fire. It creates motion. If you've ever sat and looked at a river or a stream you'll notice how water kind of ebbs and flows. It follows the path of least resistance. And this is seen time and time again in nature. It's seen time and time again in the body. Your blood Water it always follows the path of least resistance because it conserves. That's what nature, that's what your body has built in mechanisms to do. It's there to conserve energy. And whether it's water running through a stream or it's the nervous system or your blood, all of that in your physical body follows the path of least resistance. You can see how if you start to the scope of water out a little bit from just being H2O, it starts to become a lot more complicated. It starts to become kind of integrated, not only with the systems of your body, but with the basic elements of nature. I personally had started to think about water and the ways it affects your body about 10 years ago. And that ultimately led me to Gathering my own spring water. So I do this quite regularly where I take big five gallon glass jugs and I go to natural springs and collect the water. And if you've never had natural water, it's going to be hard to kind of explain in words how it feels going into your body, but the feeling is completely different than say a bottle of water you would get at an airport it has this vitality to it this kind of energy to it that is far much more hydrating far much more enjoyable just in even the mouth feel of it you can tell that there's just more substance to it. It's not flat. With reverse osmosis water or distilled water, there's um, a flatness to it that you just don't get with natural water. That being said, you need to be careful when gathering natural water. I always bring a TDS meter, so total dissolved solids meter, so I know that Those solids in there are super high. You may want to rethink on gathering your water. So I test it all. Sometimes you can find reports online with springs that have been tested in a lab. Sometimes people send water in and get them tested. This idea of gathering water at springs and congregating around springs has been done throughout human history. And you would be surprised on how many people still gather spring water it's a pretty common occurrence all over the world Um, it just feels different going into the body similar to how you feel different swimming in the ocean versus a swimming pool both feel good but both are pretty different So we've talked about hydration, and how different types of water can hydrate the body differently. Let's go into dehydration, and the effects that dehydration have on the body. So as you go through the phases of dehydration, it starts out as thirst, to kind of signal that your body needs water, so you you drink. If you go past that, it starts to thicken the blood and the blood becomes almost like a sludge in the body and things start to slow down metabolically. There's not enough fluid for proper digestion and proper metabolism. So the kidneys start to really lag in what they filter. They start to solidify and kind of crystallize because there's not enough fluid to move salts and minerals. And then eventually, they'll become so bogged down that they start to shut down. And once that happens, you don't have a whole lot of time left. So, again, this idea of water kind of causing movement, right? Lack of water tends to cause stagnation or a lack of movement in the body in the kind of physiological process. You become very lethargic, very tired, very sleepy when you're extremely dehydrated, and that's because it's just too much work for your body to kind of process all of the substance that's in the blood. It becomes just too thick and eventually, it will cause organ failure. On the flip side, if you're overhydrated, if you're drinking too much water, it's going to dilute the blood. It's going to dilute all the substances within the blood. And it'll do dilute the nutrients. So the body's not going to be able to operate. Efficiently. I mean, you can die from drinking too much water. You can die from being overhydrated. So there always has to be a good balance there. And it's going to be different from everybody. And depending on the environment you're in, it's going to be different minute to minute, day to day. As a general rule, you know, it's about three liters a day that you should be drinking. But it it's so variable on the environment that you're in and how much metabolic process you have how much movement you're doing right how much you're sweating it all is highly highly dependent and again it depends on what type of water you're drinking some are going to be just more hydrating than others and you may not need quite as much and just like when you're making a Say a cup of tea and water acts as a solvent, right? It's going to be pulling nutrients out. It's going to be diluting and pulling things out and dissolving things in solution within the body as well. And that's what actually will kill you from being overhydrated. It's the fact that the blood becomes so dilute that the nutrients running through it can't get to the organs and the tissues and your body shuts down. So there's, it's too thin. There's too much movement. There's too much space and dilution within the body for it to be sustainable. So there's, again, got to be, there has to be a balance. Things have to be balanced out. So whether you're looking at water from just a hydration perspective or you're looking at water as more of a metaphysical healing property, there's no doubt about it that it's extremely complicated. It's extremely complex. And we could talk about this for hours and hours. But really... It's just how you want to interact with it. Do you want to build your body from natural water that is starting to become pretty clear due to scientific data that it functions different in the body? Or do you want to be building your tissues from a processed version of it? One that doesn't give you a full suite and a full spectrum of nutrients. And one that doesn't tend to build the immune system in your immunity. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, the things you do on a daily basis, you want to be building towards health. Not just maintaining. And that's what really matters. Is that the things you do on the regular, whether it's food or water or getting outside. You want all of that to be heading towards a better place of health, not one of just maintenance. Thank you so much for listening to episode two of the Ancestral Elements podcast. Have a good day.